Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, we're living in a world that, you know, a lot of people have said it this way, uh, that, that I don't like change. A lot of people have said that, you know. But I guess that question's really dependent on who you're talking to. Amen. You're talking to somebody who's stuck in a rut. They don't like change. They don't like it. They enjoy being in their rut. You know, that's more comfortable. We call it the comfort zone for a reason. Am I right? But you talk to somebody that's tired of where they are. You talk to somebody that is sick and tired of waking up on Sunday morning not knowing their name. And they're saying, I wish that something could change me. I've come to let you know here tonight, it's the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the change. Oh, somebody dance. Somebody praise him. If it had not been for Jesus, where, where, where would we be? Thank you. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Amen. We're in a church that's glad, glad about the change, joyous about the change. Hallelujah. I heard a lot of people before give their testimony, and some, they, they almost, it's a complaint-a-money. Well, I almost was a millionaire, but then Jesus found me. I almost went pro. Could have been a big shot in the NFL, and I could have been a major baseball star, and and they almost seem depressed about the fact that God stepped. Oh, man. I want to tell you, there is nothing like living for God. Ain't no complaint on my lips. I got a testimony. I am glad. I am joyful. I am thankful. I am grateful. Is there anybody else that said, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have been nothing had it not been for Jesus. You might have had all the money in the world, but you didn't have your soul. And I'm going to tell you, ain't nothing like the change God brings. Oh, somebody worship him. Somebody clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If I'm not careful, I'll just start preaching. And we might do that here tonight anyways. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, however, we're going to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to continue on in our Bible study here tonight. So keep your Bibles close to you. Keep your notepads close to you. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands. We talked about all of those last week and had a powerful move of God. Uh, there's just something about the Word of God. There's something about doctrine. Doctrine makes a difference. Amen. And so we, we prayed for each other last week, and we have discussed that laying on of hands is biblical. And we saw some miraculous things happening in that moment. But he continues on and says, And of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, and this will we do if God permit. Now, we'd love to leave the foundation and move on to some more interesting things like Melchizedek and all these other things, the blessing of Abraham. And we could go on to all those things. And he's saying one day maybe we will go on to those things. But right now, he's saying we got to lay again the foundation of the doctrine, the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And so we're going to continue here tonight about the principles of the doctrine of Christ, part two. And uh, tonight we're just going to be talking about resurrection. Resurrection. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across the building. Oh, come on. That's it. I feel it. There is power when the Word of God comes forth. The Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God, let your Word do its work here tonight and bless us with your Word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. You, you may be seated in the house of God. Amen. I want to give a quick update before we get started in this here tonight. Uh, good report last night was our first Bible study, midweek Bible study in Fallon. 
Uh, and we were able to go out and made really probably about 20 different contacts, uh, not just uh, not just 20 doors, but we talked and we had contact with 20 different people. And uh, a lot of them had to work that night. Uh, some were on their way out of town. But we had a visitor come last night to Bible study. And so it was good. Hallelujah. So be praying for the, the church in Fallon and the people of Fallon. Uh, because we met some people that really, really, it feels like God's tugging on their heart. And uh, pray for what we call the KFC quadplex. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll get fried chicken and knock some doors. Hallelujah. Amen. The principles of the doctrine of Christ part two, focusing in on resurrection. When we talk about resurrection, we have to understand one principle. And that principle is this, is that resurrection is the very cornerstone of of our belief system the Bible would say Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone and everything that surrounds the life the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is the very cornerstone of what we believe that ideology or that concept of resurrection if you were to remove that you would remove Christianity altogether it would not exist it would not be anything worth paying attention to if you have your Bibles, we'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3. It'll be on the screen pretty quick for you. The Bible says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, every prophecy that was talking about Jesus was going to point to the fact that he was going to die, he was going to be buried, and that he was going to rise again. The Bible lets us know that this is the gospel. Paul talked about this is the gospel which has been preached unto you. And you might remember that it was Paul that said in Galatians, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I want to tell you here today, anybody that tells you anything different than the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the apostle himself said, let them be cursed. Amen. That's how strong he feels about the gospel. What is the gospel? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. We've taught about that, preached about that. The death is burial. The death is repentance. The burial, the Bible says, is baptism. And the resurrection is the infilling of the Holy Ghost according to the Bible. So we join him in death through repentance. We join him in burial through baptism. And then we join him through his resurrection by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible says this, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God and be put, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Every gospel writer talks about a resurrected Savior. Every epistle has something to say about a resurrected Savior. The book of Acts has nothing but things to say about the resurrected Savior. And even in the book of Revelations, at the very end, he says, I am he who was, who, who was dead but am alive forevermore. Can I tell somebody that we are not serving a dead God? We are serving a living Savior. But let's think about this concept of resurrection for a moment the very cornerstone of our belief. There are many that do not believe in resurrection. The Bible says in Matthew 22 and verse 29, Jesus is speaking to a group called the Sadducees. They were sad, you see. Cheesy dad joke, hallelujah. They, these religious leaders had come up with their own theology. I don't know where they got it. They certainly didn't get it from the Bible. But they came to Jesus with this really cunning trick. We're going to find out, and we're going to catch him at this, because they really didn't believe in resurrection. They said, let's suppose that, that there's an individual, this lady, and she marries a, 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 a man that has seven brothers. And she marries him, and the first dies. And that second, according to the Scriptures, what we would call the kinsman redeemer. She hath no children, the kinsman redeemer. The next in line would raise up children. And he shows up, and then he dies. 
the next brother, the next brother, so on and so forth. They're bringing this, this hypothetical situation that would most likely, hopefully, never happen. And they're saying in the resurrection, or if there is a resurrection, then who would she be married to? And they're trying to question him, to try to catch him and say, see, there is no resurrection. But this is what Jesus said. He didn't, he didn't deny the resurrection at all. In fact, he defended it. Matthew 22 and 29, Jesus answered and said to them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. If we don't know the scriptures, there's something real powerful right there. If we do not really understand the scriptures, we are truly missing the power of God. There is power in every verse. There is power in every word. There is power in every chapter, every book. And I'm telling you, if we don't understand it, if we don't know it, this is why Bible study is the most important thing, amen, for a Christian, for a believer. We've got to do what the Bible says, to search the Scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. We've got to be the kind of people that get in the book, get in the Word. But he said, you, you've studied the Scriptures, but yet you err because you don't really know them. You might be able to quote them, but you don't really know them. You don't understand the power of God that is in those scriptures. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that it was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not a God of the dead. That'll preach all day. Ain't time for dead church, folks. God is not a God of the dead, but he is a God of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. They, they thought that God was so one-dimensional that, that when we die, we're dead, and that's all there is to it. But God doesn't see it that way. He's saying that I'm the God of, Isaac, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus said that God is not the God that just created everybody to live for just a short span of 30 to 80 years and then they die and then you never hear from them again but God is the God that did not create man to be so menial menial, and, and God did not create man to be so finite God is much more infinite than that he's much more powerful than that when God created you and I he was creating somebody that would worship him forever oh somebody praise him for a moment and he's saying, you guys think God's so one-dimensional that he's only given you about 20 years to live, 30 years. Back then, I think the lifespan was about 40 years anyway. So Jesus didn't die as a young man. In fact, he died as an old man. But, but the, the lifespan wasn't very long. And he's saying, you think that this is all there is to life. You think that all you got right here is all there is. But Jesus is saying, you don't understand the power of God. There's a lot more to this than just a few years. The Bible says that man's, days are but, man's life is but a few days and full of trouble. Amen. But he's saying that, that, that in the resurrection, now we can learn something about the resurrection right there. They don't marry, neither are they given in marriage. Enjoy your spouse now. Amen. Because when we get to heaven, the Bible says we're the bride of Christ. We're going to worship him forever. Amen. I, I, I'm telling you right now, we're going, to, we're going to enjoy worshiping God as one body of believers. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if we can turn back to that chapter. So there were Sadducees that didn't believe in a resurrection, but Jesus did. But then you see, as you go on, Jesus has already died and rose again, according to the scriptures, as Peter would say. And the Bible says in verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Somehow there got a doctrine into the early church that there was no resurrection. Somehow this ideology had permeated into the lives of believers that there was no resurrection. But listen to how Paul begins to, to, to debate, debate this and refute this ideology. But if there be no resurrection of the dead... Then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith also is in vain. Can I tell you here today, being in church is absolutely pointless if there is no resurrection. That's how powerful the ideology and the theology of resurrection really is. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They killed him, but three days later, he got back up. Our preaching is not in vain. Church is not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. 
Don't listen to any lying spirit that says it's not happened. It won't happen. I've come to tell you, when you come to church, you come with the expectation that in one day, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught up together with him. Somebody shout, we got a resurrection. Continues to tell them, there is no resurrection. We are found false witnesses of God because we've testified that God raised up Christ. And if he didn't raise him up or whom he raised up not, if so be that the dead rise not, for if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. He's saying if there is no resurrection of anybody, then that means Jesus isn't resurrected. And if Jesus isn't resurrected, you can't be resurrected. And it's this circular reasoning that he's trying to work out of the people. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. And guess what? You are yet in your sins. For every religion that would tell you. Now, let me tell you, this ideology that Christ did not rise is not just in word. It is in preaching. It is in lifestyle. It is in deed. For every church that's got a crucified Savior hanging outside of their building, that's as far as their religion went. And they believe that it was the death of Jesus that forgave them of their sins. But they do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. It was not just his death on the cross that forgave us of our sins and washed us of our sins. Because if he would have died just for our sins, he would have been just like every other man. Except for the difference is he who knew no sin became sin for us. And he would have just died and that would have been the end of it. But the Bible didn't stop there. Jesus rose again and that's where our faith and that... And because he rose again, we can infer from this scripture, because he rose again, we don't have to stay in our sins. We don't have to die in our sins. Because there is a resurrection, we now have life. And he said this, if, you, if, if he didn't raise up, then you're still in your sin. Because it was his resurrection, his death, his burial, and his resurrection that is the gospel. And you are in your faith, and it's vain, and you're still in your sins. Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ, or those that are already dead, those that have already died in Christ, they're perished. They're gone forever. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And this is what an apostle is saying in a time of persecution. He's saying if all we had in this life was Jesus and, and this ideology that he died and that was it and that was all there was and we were being cut down left and right, we were being stripped from our homes and stripped from our families, then, then we would be of all men most miserable. This would not be the kind of faith that we would want to have. This would be an uncomfortable faith that has no purpose, no intention, and we might as well stop now. But this is what he says, but now. Just so you know where we stand as a church. Christ is risen from the dead. Can I say that a, a moment again? Christ is risen from the dead. I know this is what we like to talk about on Easter, but can I tell you here tonight on a Wednesday night, let's have Easter in summer. Christ is risen from the dead. And if Christ be risen from the dead, every individual in this building can be risen as well. There's a resurrection for everybody. Oh, somebody clap your hands and worship him. Hallelujah. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Keep going. And became the first fruits of them that slept or those that have died, those that have already died. For since by man came death because of Adam's failure, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. For And we could go into a lot of theology there. We don't have time here tonight. We'll do that another time. For as in Adam all died. In Adam, every person. Everybody, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin or the payment of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. If everybody died in Adam, if that was the penalty, the punishment, if that was the transference, if you will, then there is a benefit, there is a blessing, and there is a transference. Amen. If there was sin that was transplanted and sent down from generation to generation through the bloodline of Adam, through the blood of Christ, we now have resurrection and we now have power. But every man in his own order, what is that saying? He's talking about people die. Everybody dies in their own order, their own place. Christ, the first fruits, 
So this is what happens when we talk about the resurrection. Everybody dies in their order. But Christ is still the first one resurrected from the dead. He's still the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. So not only did Christ rise from the dead, but now at his appearing, at his coming, the likes of you and I, the believers, we also will rise again from the dead. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up, to the, up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. In other words, at the end of this thing, when it all wraps up, uh, when he turned, when this, the Bible says the earth melts with a fervent heat, for he must reign till he put all enemies under his feet. And I want you to notice that this is the last enemy of Jesus Christ. Uh, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The first penalty of sin was death. The penalty of sin was death. But now the enemy that shall be destroyed at his appearing will be death. That's why the Bible says in Revelations that he will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. Amen. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to, we're going to go into those uh, those ideologies and that, that, that theology uh, in depth. But, but now he's saying that at the end of it all, God's going to destroy death. I don't know about you, but I've lost some loved ones. I've lost some people uh, that, 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 that were close to me. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing more painful than losing somebody close to you. But one day God's going to wash that all away and death will be destroyed. That is our hope and that is our joy. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. So some have said it was a theology that was broke out of a, a false doctrine, a heresy, that there was no resurrection of the dead. Paul refuted that. Paul disputed that. And then we see that this is happening even in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard him, he's on Mars Hill, and he's telling, he's telling the gospel story, and they're okay with everything so far. They like the fact that Jesus healed people. They like the fact that even this man, who was a good man in their eyes, would die for somebody. This all made this all made perfect sense that maybe we do need a sacrifice and maybe we do need somebody who's better than the rest of us to die for us. And all of that made sense to the Epicureans and the Stokes who were always hanging around at the coffee shop drinking coffee and tea looking to find some new thing. That's all they were interested in, hearing some new thing. Let me tell you, church, we don't want to be like the Epicureans and the Stoics, always looking to hear some new thing uh, because eventually you'll get to some new thing and it's not truth. we got to go and we got to find the foundational things. We gotta, they might be old, but they're still right. But look at what happens. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And others said, uh, we'll think about this and we'll get back to you later. We'll hear you again about this matter. In the early church, Paul was preaching revelation of the resurrection, and it was mocked. The same is true today. There are people all across the world. You could go on Google. You could go on YouTube, and you'll find all sorts of uh, self-appointed gurus and geniuses that will refute the resurrection. It has the technology has changed, uh, but but the heresy has not, and people are still trying to refute it. And there are people that would mock the resurrection. Let that never be said in the church. That is our hope, and that is our joy. Acts twenty-three and six. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, I want you to see the wisdom that God gave Paul. He saw, he saw two religious groups. You know, they, they, I love how this works. Religious groups, you know, they're, they'll get together when they have a common enemy. There will be a Pilate and a Herod that will get together. They hated each other before, but when they have a common enemy that is trying to present truth, they'll come together and fight them. And that's the same way with the religious community and the religious world. They will come together when they have a common enemy, and they will put aside their differences, and that's exactly what they do when Paul is preaching. But the wisdom God gave Paul is he realized there's a divided crowd. And there's one crowd that believes in the resurrection, 
And there's the Sadducees that to Jesus' own face did not believe in the resurrection. And he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee. He went back to his B.C. days, to before Jesus, and he said, well, I was raised a Pharisee. And, 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 and he says, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope of resurrection of the dead. I'm called into question. The reason you're all looking to stone me and kill me is because of the resurrection and the idea and the theology of the resurrection. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. And later you'll find that Paul was able to slip right through the crowd. He just started a nice little debate between them, and all of a sudden the Pharisees that at one point were getting ready to kill him and stone him, they said, we agree with that. You know, sometimes when you're preaching, all you got to do is say something that one group agrees with, and hey, oh, hallelujah, we'll just leave it there. But, but the wisdom God gave Paul is he said, just preach the gospel. Stand firm on your feet and tell them about the resurrection. And they could have called him into question for all sorts of things. But he said, I want you to know why they called me into question. The Pharisees didn't even know. He said, they called me because they don't believe in a resurrection. And every Pharisee there said, hold on, that's somewhere where we disagree. Because they had searched the scriptures and found it to be true. Acts chapter 1 verse 21. So there was people that didn't believe in the resurrection in the church. There were people that were not in the church that did not believe in the resurrection. But let's look at what the disciples did here in Acts chapter 1, verse 22. They're getting ready to appoint Matthias as the next uh, uh, apostle, if you will, because Judas went out and hung himself. And so, uh, because really, you know where Judas miss, missed it is he thought it was over. Judas had a misconception of the resurrection. He said, Jesus is dead, it's over, so... And you gotta, you got to have the resurrection right, or you'll start thinking. That's why a lot of people feel condemned when they mess up. They think it's over for me. I'm done. But my Bible tells me there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You know why there's no condemnation? Because there's a resurrection. It doesn't end in death. It ends in life. It doesn't end in your faults and your flaws and your mistakes. It ends in his power and in his glory. And Judas didn't get it. He went out and hung himself and said, it's over. I killed him. This is it for me. Jesus is dead. I've done it, and I've done the worst mistake, and I'm finished, and he was condemned. And he went out and hung himself. Now they're trying to replace him. But I want you to notice their criteria. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, under the same day he was taken up from us, must one be ordained, to be a witness with us of his resurrection. They're getting ready to replace the apostle, and they're saying we've got a few recommendations of how we're going to make this. This person has to have been with us all the way back to the baptism of John. They have to have continued with us all the way unto the day that Jesus was taken up because we need somebody in this apostleship that was a direct witness of the resurrection. We can't have people that just heard about the resurrection. We can't hear people that, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of preaching there, but we ain't got time tonight. We don't need a church that just, you know, heard that Jesus rose again and, and just heard about the resurrection. If there's going to be power to be a witness, there's got to be somebody that said, I saw him. I saw him high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. There's got to be people that can be a witness and say, I am a recipient of the resurrection. It's not just a theology. It's not just a good idea. It doesn't just sound good in a fantasy novel. I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus is a fact. They're saying if we're going to have somebody that's going to join us in our apostleship, if we're going to have somebody that's going to be in leadership, and let me put that out there. Uh, we didn't put it on the leadership thing, but let me just throw it out there. It's now on the leadership thing. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you're not a leader in this church. Uh, amen. I, I'm glad nobody believes that. Hallelujah. Amen. But, but that was one of their main things. He's got to be somebody that was a witness because back then they knew what they were up against. They knew they were going to be fighting people that didn't believe it. And they needed somebody that could stand up and say, I was there. I was there. Amen. You know what our world needs? Witnesses. You know, what I, an eyewitness? I was there. Well, God's not real. Hold on. Let me just tell you about what happened on Sunday. I was there. Well, I don't know if God still heals. Let me tell you about so-and-so. I was there. That's what the world really needs is some eyewitnesses. Hallelujah. And so they chose their next disciple based on an eyewitness account. Let's keep going. For 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18. So we've got some people that 
are in the church don't believe that Jesus rose again. We got some people outside the church that don't believe Jesus rose again. We've got some people that, that are, are trying to enter into leadership, if you will, or they're trying to get into the apostleship. And one of the requirements is they've got to believe and they've got to have seen that Jesus rose again. So the early church would not have to worry about all these issues of external people and internal people trying to change the gospel. 2 Timothy 2 and 18, he's talking about Hymenaeus and Philetus. Uh, and he talks about them, who concerning the truths have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. It is just as dangerous to say the resurrection already happened. Now we're getting beyond just the resurrection of Jesus. We're getting to the resurrection of you and I. Amen. And, and, and it's danger, It's just as dangerous to say Jesus never rose again. It's just as dangerous to say you'll never rise again. And it's just as dangerous to say, well, he already came and left. You know how many, this is one way to tell, a, to tell a, an end time doomsday cult. Amen. You just look through their history books of all the times they say Jesus was going to show up and he never showed up. Or all the times they've said, no, Jesus already came back. This, is a, this doctrine's alive and well, and I'm glad, amen, that we know the truth. Amen. Jesus hasn't come back yet, but he's coming back. Amen. He may not have showed up yet, but they're still coming today. I know, I know of some people that have said, well, you know what? Jesus already came back. It was back in whatever century they want to say. And that's why they got guns, beans, rice, and they got bunkers. We ain't a bunker church. I say that again. We're not a bunker church. You want to get, your, you want to get a, a, a gun and go shoot, and God bless you. You want to get some beans and rice in case of a flood out here in Nevada, God bless you. But we're not holding on just waiting for the end of times. We're not, oh, it's already passed. Uh, the resurrection's not coming. No, we're still a church that's looking for the clouds to part. We're still a church that's waiting uh, for that day that Jesus rides in on a white horse. Uh, we're still waiting for the glorious appearance, and it will be glorious. Uh, it'll be better than any fireworks on the 4th of July. Uh, it'll be greater than any storm you've ever seen. Uh, when he parts those clouds, uh, the Bible says we're going to meet him in the air. Oh, somebody praise him and shout for the resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. We're going to keep going. I want to get through this here tonight, and I don't want to take up all your night. Acts 2 and verse 29. So there's people saying it's already passed. Some people saying it's already done. Some people say it's never going to happen or it's never happened. Uh, that's, all, that's all alive and well. It's all alive and well. But in the church of the living God, I'm going to tell you what our message is. It's resurrection. Acts chapter 20, uh, 2 and verse 29. We like to quote verse 38, but sometimes we don't talk about the message Peter preached. I want you to notice the first message. He could have preached anything. He could have talked about the fact that Jesus was a miracle worker, and he did talk about that for a moment. He could have talked about all these other things, but I want you to notice that he actually hit on this for the last five verses before this where we're starting, and he's going to continue on it all the way until he gets to the crux of his message. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you about the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. That would have got him stoned in the temple. Everybody knew it was a fact, but that's almost like a disgrace, saying, yeah, they're dead and gone. And his sepulcher is with us to this day. I want you to know that David spoke, but he's dead, and he's gone, and we still got his, his sepulcher. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, of the seed of David, if you will, a lot of theology in here, according to the flesh, he would rise up, Christ to sit on his throne, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. He's saying he was looking ahead. God was showing him a promise, and that promise was that Christ was going to be resurrected from the dead, that his soul was not left in hell or Sheol or the grave. Neither his flesh did seek corruption. He didn't rot in that grave. Uh, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, including the guy we just voted in. Uh, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, that's what you're looking at right now is what he's saying. He has shed forth this which you now see and hear. Speaking about the Holy Ghost, they're now speaking in other tongues and they're asking, what is this? What does this mean? And he's saying this is connected directly to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he saith of himself, Lord, said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes, thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, 
when they heard what? You killed him. You crucified him. But he rose again. And even David told you he was going to get back up. And even David told you that his flesh would not see corruption. And even David told you, and he prophesied not knowing what he was seeing, that there was going to come a resurrection. And when they heard this, they were pricked, they were convicted in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Can I tell somebody, if we'll go out and tell them that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, it might seem like old theology and it might seem outdated, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when people realize that there was a man that was crucified and there was a man that was buried but he didn't stay there he rose again according to the scriptures to bring us salvation there will be conviction in the heart and they'll say what do we got to do church apostolic revival center what do we got to do and we got the answer then Peter said to them this is what you got to do with a, with a Christ that has been crucified buried and a Christ that has been risen again. There is hope for every individual. There is an answer for every individual. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of who? The risen Savior that is not dead. He is alive for the remission, the washing away of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This Holy Ghost you see in here, this is the resurrection and I want you to know that if you'll repent, you'll be baptized. You can have this resurrection. You can have the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody magnify him. Oh, come on. Let's lift up our hands and let's magnify him. Hallelujah. So what do we see here? We see the message that Peter preached at the first message of the day of Pentecost. When they asked, what is this Holy Ghost? He said, it's resurrection. And this resurrection is directly connected back to Jesus Christ. Acts 3 and 26. Moving quickly here tonight. There's way, there's way more. You go and study this. We don't even have time tonight to get to everything. We won't. We won't. But, you you know, I, I'm going to tell you right now, to be honest with some folks, I've studied resurrection, but I've not studied it as in-depth as I have these last few weeks. And let me tell you, it's blowing my mind. Just how, now we, we talk about it at Easter, but I'm just, it's blowing my mind how, how crucial it is, not just to the life of the believer one time when they get baptized, but it is a crucial, essential doctrine every single day of our lives. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. He just talked about that the, the seed of Abraham, that in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed in the verse before. And he's talking and he's connecting it directly to Jesus. He sent him, can I tell somebody, Jesus is a blessing. Anybody who thinks that church is a curse and Jesus is a curse, I want you to know it's a blessing. God, God came down and he blessed you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. It was a blessing when he changed us. And as they spake unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, you got to notice they show up every time there's going to be coming a resurrection story, being grieved that they taught the people and preached that through Jesus. Now, I want you to notice this is right before we get to Acts 4 and 12, that neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want you to notice right before they suffered shame for the name and were beaten for the name, I want you to know that this is what really made people mad. It wasn't just that they were going around saying the name Jesus. Even Jesus said there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come in my name. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to preach in my name, do miracles in my name. That doesn't really bother a whole lot of people. But there was something different about this their message of the name of Jesus, that they preached that through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. Anybody who thinks they're going to make heaven their home without going through Jesus, I got news for you. You can't get to heaven without going through he said, I am the door. He said, I am the way. Can I help somebody? We got to go through Jesus. They preached through Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. 
and they laid hands on them. Not the way we preached last week. And they put them in the hold. They put them in prison for the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. When people heard the preaching of the resurrected Jesus and the fact that through Jesus you and I can have resurrection power, it was then they threw them in prison. It was then that they began to shut them up and try to shut them down. But it was in that preaching that thousands begin to come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. Amen. How many is thankful for that? You want to know where revival's at? Go let people know you serve a living God. I'll say that again. You want to know where real revival's at? I'm talking about not hundreds, not tens. I'm talking about thousands. When we just go out and let people know that we're serving a risen Savior and that through Him, through him. Well, what about the drug dealer? Through Jesus Christ. Uh, what, what about the prostitute? Through Jesus. Uh, what about the religious cleric uh, from another religion? Through Jesus. Uh, what about the murderer? What about the drug addict? Uh, I want you to know everybody through Jesus can have resurrection. Lift up your hands and magnify him. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and let's magnify him for just a moment. Come on, let's pray for just a moment. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. Well, I feel dead in my sins and trespasses. I want you to know you can have life through Jesus. Well, I'm condemned. I want you to know you can have greater joy and greater hope through Jesus. There can be conviction through Jesus, but there is no condemnation through Jesus. There is hope and there is life, and it all comes through his resurrection. Flipping over to Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two, or twain, from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves. I want you to notice this. I missed this for a long time. I thought that it was his spirit ran down the Kidron Valley, and everybody started getting up. And moving. No, I want to tell you what his death did. It cracked the grave open. That's what the Bible says. It began to split the graves and crack the rocks. And the veil began to rip in two, in two from the top to the bottom. But the Bible says, and after his resurrection... They came out of the graves, and they went into the holy city, and they appeared unto many. I want you to know that because he rose again, and because of his resurrection, at his death he split those graves wide open, and there was hope of resurrection. But it wasn't until he was the firstborn among many brethren. It wasn't until he was the first one out of the grave. It wasn't until Jesus said, you know what? Amen. Everybody would have stayed in those cracked open graves. There would have been bones and dead people. Amen. A religion that just has the death of Jesus, just has dead church and dead saints, but cannot preach you about a resurrected Savior because he got up. Come on, Easter in July. Because he got up, all of a sudden those that were in graves, after his resurrection, they began to get up. Oh, somebody shout. I want to tell you, because he rose again, there are people in Carson City, God's death, it cracked open the graves they've been living in. But as of now, Jesus is resurrected, and everybody in those graves can begin to come out. Oh, somebody shout. Can we have church for just a moment? Those that are in graves, those that are in dead religion, those that are in compulsions and addictions, can I preach for just a moment? He split the grave wide open. He the veil. We have access and those that are in graves can begin to get up out of those graves. Let's stand and shout all across the building. Oh, come on. Let's stand and shout. Come on. There's some folks. He split your grave a long time ago. He split open your dead religiosity, your dead ideology. But as of now, we serve a risen Savior and you can come out. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Come on, lift up your hands. This ain't just a cute Easter message. I'm telling you, without the resurrection, we are all dead men's bones in white sepulchers. We are nothing but people that can't get up out of a broken grave. 
Oh, somebody pray. The grave can be broken. The grave can be destroyed. But we still got death. And there is no life without resurrection. But Jesus is raised. And we shall rise again. Oh, somebody pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the resurrection of the dead. Sounds crazy. Doesn't matter to me. I'm thankful for the resurrection of the dead. If all we had was this life, struggles, troubles, bills, sickness, death, we would all men be most miserable. But the fact that he has rose again, but not just that, that he has resurrected us through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that we now walk in newness of life. Can I tell something about newness of life? Old song said it, we just sang it tonight. I don't walk like I used to walk, talk like I used to. I don't, I'm a completely different person. I think different, I act different, I live different. I'm talking about newness brand new life I'm not captivated by my dead ideologies anymore God has absolutely transformed me through the power of the Holy Ghost I've got a lot of other things we could talk about here tonight because we, we, we could really dive into this but let me just help somebody for just a moment that has the mentality John chapter 11 verse 24 Brother Brinson you can pull that up for us there's too much good stuff in here Martha saith unto him, Jesus said, don't worry, Lazarus will rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know that one day we're going we're gonna to see people get back up. But her brother just died. It's a whole lot different of a story to be talking about the resurrection. Jesus saith unto her, you missed it. See, resurrection is not just a theology. Resurrection is not just an activity. Resurrection is a person. He said unto her, just so you know, the resurrection is not just one day. One day. One glad morning when this life's over, I'll fly away. No. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead. I love how he puts it past tense. Yet shall, future tense, he live. Can I preach to somebody with the resurrection? It's not just an activity that's going to happen, amen, 2,000 years ago when Jesus got up from the dead. It's not just something that's going to happen when he parts the clouds. But can I help somebody? Every time you come to worship Jesus, he said, I am the resurrection. Every time somebody prays through to the Holy Ghost, it is resurrection power. He says, he that believes in me though he was dead though he was in a grave though he wasn't a religion though he was messed up though they were sinning yet shall they live lift up your hands I'm done teaching preaching preaching come on let's pray all across the building Jesus said I am the resurrection I am the resurrection. I don't just have resurrection power. I am resurrection power. And anybody that believes in me, though they are or were dead, they shall live. The Bible says this, that Jesus, Jesus took three people in the New Testament that were dead. Three people. There was a young girl that was 12 years old, and she was dying dying. Jesus shows up to her house and she just died. And Jesus said, don't worry. He said, get the paid mourners out. We ain't got time to preach about that today. He said, arise. And she got up. There was a young man in a coffin on his way being taken to burial ground because he'd been dead for a little bit. And Jesus stopped the funeral procession 
And he said, young man, arise. And that young man, he got up. And then there was Lazarus. He'd been dead for four days. And the Bible says he started to stink. And Jesus came to the opening of that tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus in his grave clothes began to hop out. When you hear the preaching of Jesus Christ, it's the preaching of resurrection. And there's people that they are dead in their sins and their trespasses. They are dead in their religion, religiosity and their religious ways. People that are dead in their addictions and compulsions. But can I tell you the power of Jesus' resurrection? It can work on those that maybe today you messed up and you're like that little girl. You just died. And I want you to know about the resurrection power for those of us that maybe we feel like we're on our way to our burial and that it's over for us. I want you to know Jesus can stop that funeral, get you up out of your grave but can I preach about the resurrection and the life you could be dead for a long time sitting on a pew and you could start to stink but I want to preach to Lazarus come forth come forth and you got to get in your grave clothes and hop your way out because you serve the resurrected Savior I want to open up this altar let's come and let's begin to talk to Jesus there are people you might have just feel like you're dying there's others you feel like you've been dead and there's others you started to stink in your deadness but I want you to know the same resurrection power that was there on that little girl is here that was on that young man was here that was on Lazarus is here come on church let's pray come on it's not just an idea. It's a promise. It's not just an activity. It's a man called Jesus that said, I am the resurrection. Church, tonight, there's resurrection for everyone. Jesus Christ, crucified, bled and died to save our lives, risen. Come on, somebody pray. I need the resurrection power. I need, I don't know about you, but I need the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost right here, right now.
Come on, somebody lift up your hands and worship him. There's resurrection power right here, right now. Somebody worship him. Lift up your hands and begin to talk to him right now. We worship you, Jesus, our risen Savior, our risen King. He is not dead. He is alive. And because he lives, we live. Come on. Let that revelation and theology strike your heart right now. No matter what's dead in your life, it will live through the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody feel after him for a moment. Come on, somebody feel after him for a moment. If there's ever been a reason to worship God, it ain't a nice house and a new car or any of those kinds of things. Thank God for everything good in our life. But if there's ever a reason to worship God, it's that he was dead, but he lives. It's that we were dead, but we live. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel him in this house. Church, there is power. There is resurrection power flowing through this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. John put it this way in Revelations. 